um, in Roman number uh, numeral two, uh, chapter five, which is the theology of the Protestant Reformation. So, after that, we should finish that today. Uh, I trust you all uh, read the Cambridge Declaration. Just um, so like you probably didn't get one. Uh, did you get a Cambridge Declaration? Uh, let me stop real quick. Um, get one. So the Cambridge Declaration uh, was written by some key, I don't know, I guess evangelical scholars. And it, it, uh, it in effect, is a protest statement. Uh, you, if you read through it, I think you should have picked that. What are they protesting? Um, the decline in theology in the church. Okay. Uh, which uh, I think is accelerating. Personally, I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but uh, that's just the nature of the end time deception. Um, and uh, the way of man. So, uh, but the key to uh, your understanding, uh, in part, the essence of uh, our, our reading in um, smooth words, is that the end time deception has come into the church. That's really our our interest. Uh, we know it's outside the church, but that's not our concern. Uh, it's come into the church, so we have to really guard, and that's something that's important for each of y'all here. You have to really guard uh, yourselves. The elders have to guard the church because God has entrusted the church to the watch care of the elders, uh, but you have to be your own guard uh, because absent theology, uh, a church uh, more more often than not is probably in pretty serious trouble. Um, so, so hence... Hence the Cambridge Declaration. Um, if you, if you, uh, I'm just looking at the introductory statements, uh, quoting historic evangelicalism was confessional, um, which is which is true. All of uh, the churches that co- immediately come out of the Protestant Reformation, and again, the Protestant Reformation uh, isn't establishing the truth; it's just recognizing. Uh, what's been lost. Um, so, um, you have to keep that in mind because sometimes Orthodox people as well as Roman Catholics will say, well, if your beginning is, uh, you know, 17th century, I mean, we're, we're way before that. Uh, uh, the church didn't begin, obviously, in the Protestant Reformation. But there was this revival that was a result of a rediscovery, not discovery, but a rediscovery of the truth uh, that had been lost under decades of uh, uh, corrupt uh, Roman Catholic theology as well as morality. Uh, but if you think historically the Protestant Reformation, uh, it didn't occur because the church had become immoral. Was, that, that was in part. Uh, and there were all, you know, prior to the Protestant Reformation, there were guys like Tyndale and Wycliffe, uh, on and on, that were very concerned about the morality of the church. Um, 
But that's not the cause of the Reformation. The cause of the Reformation is theological. Uh, the essence of the cause of the Reformation is the doctrine of justification. Yeah, because the Roman Catholic Church rejects that. Um, if you ever have an occasion, uh, it, 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 it's really worth, uh, uh, worthwhile. Uh, if you look at the Council of Trent, which was the Catholic um, response to the Reformation, they condemn uh, everything that we're about to discuss. Uh, and they don't just condemn it, they condemn it to hell. You know, I mean, they say over and over again, if you hold to these doctrines, uh, uh, you're going to hell. We, 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 we condemn you to hell. So it's a really strong statement. You know, uh, and, and of course, uh, because of the Roman Catholic view of authority, they have never renounced um, the Council of Trent. So, um, Reformation, uh, all of the Reformed creeds, and, and they're all in substantial agreement, except over what I would consider secondary issues like baptism uh, and perhaps church government. Those are secondary issues. But they're all in unanimity over the understanding of, uh, of redemption accomplished and applied. The Catholic Church obviously has to answer it. Uh, they did, hence the Council of Trent. Um, but the Cambridge Declaration is concerned uh, uh, about the current state of affairs. Uh, again, quoting, Today the light of the Reformation has been significantly dimmed uh, so that we have lost its meaning. Okay, people don't. If you if you were to ask the mo, the average Christian, your friend or whatever, um, does the Reformation mean anything to you? Uh, do you understand the theology of the Protestant Reformation? They, they don't have a clue what you're talking about. Yeah, they just don't have a clue. Tragically, most churchmen don't have a clue. Uh, I don't know if you remember this when we were talking about the doctrine of justification. Uh, one of our members had three or four children. Uh, uh, going to school in Stillwater uh, uh, at the university there. So he started calling around churches, and I said, Roger, what you, what you ask them is, can you tell me your view of the doctrine of justification? So he calls five or six churches. They didn't, they didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, one of the responses I love, well, we have, we have contemporary music. Who cares? I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of contemporary music, but some of it's okay. But, but again, uh, when you're talking to church leaders and they don't understand the doctrine of justification, that, that's my point here. Uh, uh, the light of the Reformation is dimmed. And if you think of the motto of the Protestant Reformation, we've got it back on one of our windows, out of darkness, light. Okay. So the church had been in darkness, the light of the Reformation. So, uh, so, so let's talk. I mean, uh, we, we have the five solas, um, sola, sola scriptura, sola gratia, uh, so scripture alone, grace alone, so, uh, sola fide, faith alone. Um, um, what am I missing? Um, solus Christus, Christ alone, and then to God alone be the glory. Uh, the key is not the label itself. The key is not the noun. We've talked about this, but it's very, it, it, it's very, uh, it's very critical. Oh, I'm sorry, Mary, you probably didn't get one of those either. I, I didn't mean to overlook you. Uh, and I've got some more in back if someone wants, wants another one. Um, 
uh, uh, the key in terms of the Protestant Reformation is not Scripture, grace, faith, Christ, glory of God. It's the adjective alone. Okay? And that significantly is what we've lost. Most every Protestant churches, you say, well, Christ is, oh yes, I yeah, believe in Christ. Uh, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and uh, Greek Orthodoxy, or uh, you know, whichever slice of Orthodoxy you're looking at, uh, Russian Orthodoxy, yeah, their theology is the same. They hold to to Scripture, Christ, faith, grace, uh, glory, God. Yeah, they say, "Oh, I, mean, I believe those." Uh, where they walk away from you is alone. So the the adjective is the sticking point. Okay. Um, I would encourage you to have a general understanding of each of those positions because I find it a wonderful way to witness to people. Okay. Um, you know, I, you know I, I, was, I was with a, I was buying a car from you know, dealership, so a young lady was a salesperson. We get in the car so I can drive it and Whatever reason, church comes up, imagine that. Um, so, I, so I just witnessed very quickly to her from the concept of uh, grace alone uh, and Christ alone. That you can't save yourself. You can't even cooperate because you're dead in sin. Therefore, only Christ alone can save you. And He does by becoming incarnate, the God-man. In His humanity, He can represent you. In His deity, He can pay your bill. So, I mean, what have I done in talking to her ostensibly about the theology of the church? I've really shared the gospel with her. You know, and I didn't sit down with a tract and, you know, I can't do that, obviously driving. Uh, but, uh, uh, but it is a great way to witness to people who think they know what Christianity is. If you recall reading my book, Smooth Words, part of the input of the book is one of the great mission fields in America today is the church. Because we've lost the truth. And, and, and that's very, to me, it's very dangerous. Uh, that, by the way, is why we see a resurgence in more and more music, uh, drama in the church, people acting out parts. I don't have a problem with any of those things. I, it's emphasis. Uh, it's another way I witness to people um, uh, uh, that is biblical exposition. I mean, I, I told this young lady, I said, the reason we do biblical exposition because it's harder for me to deceive you. Because I'm going through a paragraph or a thought section of the Scriptures and we've read it. I'm, I'm, I'm essentially teaching on it and you've got it before you. You can say, wait a minute. You know, Where's that in this text? Or, um, so, uh, coming full circle, Scripture alone, um, uh, our, our ultimate authority, of course, in the church is, is Scripture. It's not the only authority, as you all know, because we've talked about this. Uh, there are other authority in our lives. There's civil government. Um, civil government rules over uh, our, our civil lives. Uh, hopefully less and less, by the way, but nonetheless. Uh, a church government uh, rules over our spiritual lives. Uh, 
And the basis of our rule is scripture. Uh, and our authority is scriptural uh, in the sense that all of our doctrines we ought to be able to affirm from the scriptures. Okay. Um, now, an example of a extra biblical authority of the elders is our start time, nine forty-five. I can't turn any. You know, we can't turn in the scripture that says you have to start at nine forty-five. You know, uh, if it's up to me, we start at nine thirty. But you know, that's okay. I, I don't. You know, I don't mind. Um, um, you know, so it's, so it's time for it. Or, uh, you know, we have the Lord's table once a month. You know, um, some churches do it every every week. So, um, um, but the ultimate authority is the scriptures. Um, if you if you look at if you look at that chapter. Um, uh, in practice, the church is guided far too often by the culture, therapeutic technique, marketing strategies, the beat of entertainment uh, world often have far more to say uh, about what the church wants, how it functions, and what it offers than does the Word of God. Okay. The reason you go to church, really to me the only reason, there's a couple of reasons, but the main reason is to hear the Scriptures. Uh, we, there are important secondary reasons uh, like fellowship, which is obviously critical to the life of the church. Uh, but our philosophy is, is we meet God in the scriptures and the sacraments. So today, we, we not only have the scriptures, we also have the sacraments. Uh, both are critical to the life of the church because they're always orienting us uh, uh, on God. Um I don't know what's going on in other churches. Maybe y'all do. Sometimes, you know, you go to visit a church because, you know, a child is getting baptized or whatever, or a friend of yours is getting baptized. I don't know. Uh, and, and to me, it's always interesting what you, you know, what you encounter, but, uh, we're pretty predictable here. Scripture, sacraments, because we, that's where we meet God, uh, in His Word. He's left us, like I told this young lady on Friday, um, God, God has left us a record about salvation in the Scriptures. Okay. So, um, um, so that brings us to um, uh, Solus Christus. Uh, Erosion of a Christ-centered faith. Okay. Uh, Christ and His cross have moved from the center of our vision. Uh, and that's why typically, I mean, I try hard to do this. I'm sure I do it imperfectly. That's why in most of my sermons, I'm trying to make some leap from the text uh, to Christ Himself. And hopefully it's done organically, um, uh, namely from the text itself. But, uh, but that's central. Uh, because absent Christ, we're just a, we're just another club. Um, you know, we're just another meeting. Optimus Club, Lions Club, uh, Women Who Love Roses Club. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're just another meeting. 
Christ, therefore, is central to the life of the church. And notice it's Christ alone. Uh, I, I was telling this young lady, I said, um, uh, he, he alone can save you. Uh, and um, it's not a cooperative work. Uh, for one reason, uh, um, if he needed your cooperation, it would say something about him. Christ doesn't need our cooperation. He's going to save those whom he wills to save. Um, and uh, 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 granted, our faith is critical, but that's the product of the new birth because dead men can't believe. So God has to make us alive, and that's what he does in regeneration. The response to regeneration uh, is we believe. Uh, so, And what do we believe? Uh, we believe the content of our faith becomes essential. Everyone says, yeah, faith, I mean, faith's really important. What's the content of your faith? Well, one of ours is Christ alone. Um, so, um, so, so hence, uh, the declaration says, we reaffirm, notice, reaffirm, that our salvation is accomplished by the mediatorial work of the historical Christ alone. Okay. Alone. Um, only he can save us. Um, the reason, uh, obviously, the, I mean, the, the most critical reason is, is, is it's not, doesn't involve our cooperation because Ephesians 2.1, uh, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. So dead men don't have the ability to believe. Um, so, um, Christ's mediatorial work alone, uh, accepted by God, God the Father, becomes the basis of the dispatch of the Spirit to regenerate us. Hence, John 3, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is lost. Yeah, he's, was it born again? Uh, notice Christ rebukes him. You're a teacher in Israel. How do you not know this? Uh, because he's really relying on the Old Testament. Ezekiel, Jeremiah. Um, you know, Ezekiel, uh, I think 37, maybe 36. I'll take away your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. Is there cooperation in that? No. It's a sovereign work of God. He doesn't. God doesn't depend upon you. That's another major fallacy here. God's not up there saying, well, I've done my part. Hope you do yours. You know, I told my five-year-old not to play in the street. I did my part. No, that's, I mean, God doesn't need our cooperation. He gets it. <laughs> okay. Whatever God wants, he gets. I mean, think of the reverse of that. Well, God, he's just so upset and frustrated can't get what he wants. He's got to depend upon me. That's not, that's not the God I worship. Uh, that's not the God. I, I have this deep conviction. One of the reasons we are losing so many of our young people after they move away to go to trade school or, the, or wherever they go, university, get married, is because we've, we've, we've taught them a very low view of God. So when you teach people a high view of God, Christ alone, God alone, uh, you, you, you set within them, uh, the entire content of their faith and that which to me holds them. Okay. The fact that God is 
God is absolutely sovereign over my entire life um, is what keeps me close to Him um, because of my desperate need for Him. You know, because our, you know, we're, you know, we're we're prone to wander. Anytime you teach people a low view of God, well, God's really not sovereign. You know, He's sovereign over some things, but uh, He's not sovereign over your will. Uh, he's not sovereign over this or that. Uh, uh, he's asleep when Satan's doing evil. God's sovereign over every bit of it. So he's the king of the universe. Uh, to me, that's the God I want to worship. Yeah. And that's the God I believe that binds our heart to Him. Because when I'm going through evil, I'm sitting here saying to myself, you know, it's not an accident, it's not a mistake. For something I need to repent of, I better get after it, repent. Uh, but if it's just, you know, some other event, maybe a natural disaster or uh, loss of a spouse or loss of a child, go through difficult times, it's the fact that while we're weeping, we can say, it's the will of God, therefore it's good. I don't know how it's good. I don't see how it's good. But if it's His will for me because I'm a son, it's going to work out for good. Romans 8.28. That's the kind of God we need to be telling our children about. Because they're going to go through uh, difficult times in their lives, as you know, typically most adults know. Okay, so sola gratia, um, unwarranted confidence in human ability is a product of a fallen human nature. And it gives, it causes us to have a false confidence in our nature, which we shouldn't do. Our nature is fallen. It was corrupted in the Garden of Eden. And the sin of Adam was imputed to all of his progeny. Okay? We owe our fallen condition. We owe the fact that we get the flu, we get cancer, we get fired sometimes, hopefully not. Uh, we get in car wrecks or whatever it is because of Adam. Okay? Um, and, and our nature was corrupted in Him. Hence, salvation is God changes our nature. So, so uh, this false confidence now fills the evangelical world from the self-esteem gospel to the health and wealth gospel, from those who have transformed the gospel into a product to be sold and sinners into consumers uh, who want to buy it. Uh, and to others who treat Christian faith as being simply because of works. Okay? So, I mean, that's a false gospel. Uh, that's essentially, essentially, that's a theology of orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism. Uh, you make yourself good and God accepts you. Can't make yourself good because you're you're fallen in Adam. Uh, but we don't preach those things. Uh, I'm not so sure we preach sin anymore. But don't talk about sin. I mean, it might turn people off. No, I mean, uh, our hope is that Christ Christ took the weight of our sin upon Himself and paid the bill. Okay. Um, so, um, sola gratia. Uh, grace alone. Uh, you can't save yourself. You can't cooperate with God. Uh, you can't work enough to secure His favor. Um, you can't make yourself good. He's got to do that. That's what He does in regeneration. Changes your nature. Uh, and so, uh, the uh, declaration says God's grace in Christ is not merely necessary, but is the sole efficient cause of our salvation. Notice efficient cause. 
Uh, there are other causes to salvation. There's a preacher, there's a radio station, there's a billboard. Uh, I don't know, someone in your life that you loved and esteemed shares the gospel with it. Lots of causes, but the sole efficient cause is God. Um, so in, 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 uh, in Sola Gratia, um, we're reminded, grace alone, we have no claim on God. Uh, he doesn't owe us anything but hell. He doesn't owe us a good time. He doesn't owe us, you know, an easy life. Uh, so it's important to realize he saves us because of his grace alone. Pure, sovereign act of his will. Call back when I was going through Romans, Romans chapter 9, Jacob I loved. Esau I rejected. Uh, I kind of like Esau. He liked a deer hunt. I like deer hunters. Okay? He liked the outdoors. Okay? He liked to go striper fishing. That's the kind of guy I can sit down and talk with. Jacob? I don't know, man. That guy's a cheater and a thief. I mean, who, but, you know, God, God does the picking and the choosing. Uh, we don't like that, but that's the nature of God. Of course, God doesn't leave it there. He's gonna, He's gonna transform Jacob. It's kind of where we are in Genesis right now. And it's a painful transformation for Jacob because of what he did. Nonetheless, um, uh, uh, we have here, uh, we reaffirm that in salvation we are rescued from God's wrath by His grace alone. So, sola fide, faith alone. Um, Justification by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. So you see here the interconnectivity of all of these things. Grace, Christ, faith, really Scripture, because where do we learn about Christ? Scripture. Where do we learn about faith and what faith is? Scripture. Okay. Uh, uh, and hence, um, um, Scripture uh, uh, is in there as well. So justification by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone. This is the article by which the church stands or falls. You vacate these doctrines, a church ceases to be a church. Uh, I'm, I'm, this is a church not because we have a sign out front. Okay? Uh, because we call ourselves a church. It's a church because of the doctrinal content of our faith. And that, I think, is one of the uh, concert, uh, disconcerting elements of what's occurring in evangelicalism today that we are, uh, we are buying into the notion of you know, we really can't teach theology because theology is divisive and that will drive people away. I mean, that's not my call. Uh, we, we have to obey the Scriptures. We have to proclaim the Scriptures. Okay. Um, you know, so, uh, to me, um, all of these things are, 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 are inextricably linked together. And if you unravel one... You begin to unravel them all. And, and by the way, the, the book that you're reading, that we will begin next week, the Lord willing, 
uh, five points of Calvinism. Uh, you know, there's always churches that say, well, I can buy into three and a half of them. You know, can't, I can't, I can't handle, uh, you know, uh, one and a half, you know, uh, I mean, I hear that a lot. Uh, sometimes people say, well, we're four point Calvinistic. I mean, well and good. Uh, I just tell people that once you unravel one, you unravel them all, because that's how linked they are together. That's really the point of point of this. All of these elements, particularly with the adjective alone, you take away the adjective, you unravel them all. Okay. I mean, let's just let's just play the devil's advocate. God can't do anything in my life unless I let Him. Stop and think about that. That says a lot about me, and it says a whole lot about what God can or can't do. If God has to wait around for me or depend upon me, he's, He may be a powerful person. He may be Captain America. But, but He's not the God of the Scriptures. And uh, that's what people have to confront. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes painfully we have to tell people, uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that you're a spiritual person. Because I, I get that a lot. Sharing your faith, oh Phil, I'm a real spiritual person. Well, I try not to roll my eyes, but I, you know, uh, again, um, that's not the issue. So the issue is, are you a biblical person, rooted and grounded in Scripture, uh, that points to Christ alone, faith alone, Scripture alone, um, grace alone. So, um, um, again, uh, the declaration, justification by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone, and the church stands or falls on this. Uh, uh, the Gospel declares what God has done for us in Christ. It is not about what we can do to reach Him. Okay. Because the chasm is insurmountable. You, you can't breach that ca ca uh, chasm. Uh, only, only God can, can uh, create the bridge over it uh, through, and He does it through Christ alone. Okay. So, Um, I may be the greatest long jumper in the history of the world. Doesn't matter if you're trying to jump the Grand Canyon, because you ain't going to make the other side. Uh, so it, it is what God has done for us in Christ alone. Okay. So soli deo gloria to God alone be the glory. So He gets all the glory. Uh, uh, again, the loss of God's centrality in the life of the church today is common and lamentable. It is this loss that allows us to transform worship into entertainment, gospel preaching into marketing, believing into technique, being good into feeling good about ourselves, and faithfulness into being successful. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've ever been to a church. 
where you've experienced any of those things, uh, um, I always kind of wonder. I mean, I don't have anything against professional musicians. We use professional musicians. Uh, but I've been to churches where all the musicians are professional. Uh, the vocalists are professional vocalists. And they, in a sense, are putting on uh, a program. Uh, and that's, that's, I mean, it's impressive. You know, I mean, if, if I don't know if, any of y'all came to our Christmas uh, program. I mean, we had some professional musicians, two violinists and uh, uh, no, three three violists and a cellist. They were all professional musicians. Um, but that shouldn't be our major draw. Nothing wrong with it, uh, playing Christian music. But um, um, a lot of churches want you to feel good about yourself. That's not really our calling. Uh, to me, uh, what what makes you feel good about yourself is what God did for you in Christ. Uh, and and by you know by and large, uh, uh, one of the great uh, subversions of the faith, I believe, is we we become a feeling uh, generation. Uh, I feel, I feel about something. We. I don't have anything against feelings. I'm a human being too. have emotions too. But it's the objective reality of what Christ did. So that my feelings are secondary. They're not causative. They're secondary. Uh, and over time, I believe when you tell people the majesty of who Christ is and the majesty of what He did for you, at some point, their feelings are going to engage. Unless they're unre- unless they <laughs> haven't been regenerated, so uh, so um, uh, just uh, uh, just important to recognize that. And and we are beyond beyond being a feelings oriented people. Uh, we are an empirical people, and there's nothing wrong with the feelings. There's nothing wrong with empiricism. You know, a basis of science is not the sole basis, to be sure. But you know, I mean, uh, you know, there are people who are going to drive by and say, "Ain't enough cars in that parking lot. I ain't going in there. Can't be very good if there's only twelve cars in the parking lot." So, if, you know, but that, that's not my. It's not my job to fill a parking lot. My job to proclaim the scriptures. So, so the declaration says we reaffirm uh, our focus on God uh, in our worship. Rather than the satisfaction of our personal needs, we we affirm that because salvation is of God and has been accomplished by God, it is for God's glory, and that we must glorify Him always. Okay. You know, I must talk very quickly about of God. Uh, probably the best theologian on this is uh, not the only. Sure, but certainly one of the clearest is the Apostle John. John 1.13. Okay. Who were born not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but, listen for the prepositional phrase, but of God. Okay? That prepositional phrase means He alone 
is the sole stage in the drama of our redemption. If you recall back a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the effects of the new birth, uh, um, uh, 1 John, uh, first epistle written by John, first epistle of John, over and over again in that epistle, in fact, on ten occasions, he uses the verb have been born. Completed action in past time, continuing results to the present. The completed action in past time is the new birth. We were born of God. And over and over again, he uses that exact verb, born, and the exact prepositional phrase follows, follows it, of God. It doesn't say born of God and our human will. It's born of God. Because only He can birth us. I mean, it's like the natural metaphor. Uh, uh, the birth of a child is not caused by the child. Okay? External to the child. Okay. So, uh, in, our, in our regeneration... It is, you know, of God. We love because we've been born of God. We don't commit apostasy because we've been born of God. We believe because we've been born of God. All that's in First First Johannine Epistle of God. Uh, you start adding, you start adding. Well, yeah, but born of God in the church and the sacraments and your works. You got to be a good person. You you corrupt. You just corrupted. Uh, you're elevating yourself. And the moment you elevate yourself, uh, God begins to decline. Uh, at some point, God leaves. Um, so it's important to have good theology. So um, we, must, we must glorify Him always. Um, um, and so uh, in, in the Cambridge Declaration, <laughs> the last chapter is a call to repentance and reformation. Uh, um, they write, now there was a time when Christian behavior and expectations were markedly different from those in our culture. Today they are often not. The evangelical world is losing its biblical fidelity, moral compass, and missionary zeal. Next sentence, we must repent of our worldliness. We also must earnestly call back erring, professing evangelicals who have deviated from God's words in matters discussed in this declaration. Uh, the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals asks all Christians to give consideration to implementing this declaration in church worship, ministry, policies, life, uh, and, and evangelism. So... Uh, um, James, James Boyce says, each of the great solas is summed up in the fifth Reformation motto, soli deo gloria, meaning to God alone be the glory. So, I'm, so let's, let's turn very quickly to uh, Romans. Romans chapter 11. Thirty-six. 
for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. So that simply should be our motto. So, so, so in summary, uh, I would encourage you a uh, fairly simple element to memorize, but memorize the five solas. Because it is a wonderful way to witness to people. It's not the only way, but it's a wonderful way uh, and really to stress the adjective alone. And, and, and I do remind you, uh, the moment you remove from the noun the adjective, you've totally transfer, transformed the noun. Okay. Um, hence, um, you're, you're detracting from the noun. Uh, Christ on the cross uh, uh, didn't need our help. Doesn't depend upon us. Uh, uh, the Father, uh, through His sovereign grace alone, gave His only begotten Son uh, to pay our penalty on the cross. And the Spirit applies it to whom he wills. So the willing and doing is of God. And therefore the majesty is of God. Um, critical, critical, I think, to a vibrant church uh, and just as critical to a vibrant uh, devotional life for the individual Christian. Uh, the world doesn't want to hear it, but that's not our, I mean, that's not our, our call. Uh, I use it more often than not as a witness to professing Christians who are just kind of lost their way uh, for whatever reason. But uh, I also I also use these five solas uh, as a way to explain what we're about. And people, we say, I mean, when you say Reformed theology, you know, which we do, I mean, uh, the basis of our church, Reformation theology, and biblical exposition. You say Reformation theology, vast majority of people don't have a clue what you're talking about. I mean, you say, well, we, we are a reformed, a reformed church. So thinking uh, that has something to do with uh, your church government or, you know, it's like uh, Reformed Judaism. Orthodox Judaism, Reformed Judaism. Well, they've kind of had an argument. Some went their own way and established some different rules. That's, that's not Protestant Reformation. It's the five solas. And it's, it, boy, it is a, I think, a beautiful way to share the gospel. Because it, you, when you explain just very quickly, uh, the phrase Christ alone, you're, you're telling them, uh, the majesty is upon him and what he did. Um, so, any, any questions over Cambridge Declaration? Five solos very quickly. Okay, so so next week, uh, it's your turn. Uh, we're going to at least get through two. Uh, we'll get through three or not, I don't know. Total depravity. Okay. You're up. Batter's box. Okay. Remember 12, you know, don't just 12, 13 minutes. Make sure you take us to some verses. Define what it is. Define what it isn't. Make sure 
make sure you discuss the importance of the adjective total. Every church believes in depravity. Heck, even the world believes in depravity. That's not what we teach at Grace Bible Church. We teach total depravity. Hence our need for Christ alone. So, uh, uh, so total depravity, unconditional election. Okay? Who's got unconditional election? Okay? Joanne? Uh, so you got a week. You can do, you can, um, 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 Make sure, Joanne, you talk about the importance of the adjective, unconditional. Because that's where people, people will be conditional election. Yes, God elected me based on the fact that I chose Him. I believed in Him. He looked down the corridors of time and saw that I was going to believe and He chose me. That's not, that's not what we believe. Unconditional election. So, uh, so anyway, we'll see how far we get. Uh, uh, so, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, our Father, bless us in the majesty of to God alone be the glory. May it be a defining element in our lives. May it drive us and move us um, um, so that we might uh, give God the glory in all things and uh, in the words of the Puritans, enjoy Him because of what He's done for us. And these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.